Hello, happy Thursday, and I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I definitely just want to say it has been a whirlwind of a week, much less a whirlwind of a month for me. Um, if you're on media pages, you might have seen all of the fun things that have been going on, but basically it's been COVID and then so like moving, of course, let me start there, moving on the coldest day of the year, then Christmas, then COVID, which is not fun. I'm very grateful that I've recovered very well though. Um, and then the last week has just been like these random days where the internet, like the power will completely shut off and I have no internet or, um, this week it's been, there was like a multi-statewide internet outage on the night that I was planning on teaching this class. So I'm glad that we are here. It is Thursday. Things are working. So I'm very, very grateful to, for that. And I'm super grateful that we are able to jump right back into it where we left off. And where we left off, right, was with shame and how to, right, how to understand how shame plays a role in our impulsive spending, our hyperfixation spending. And today we're going to be talking about identity work, which I think is a really critical, crucial component to any ADHD and neurodivergence acceptance journey. Um, and I really do believe that there's a huge difference between a diagnosis journey and an actual acceptance journey. I think there are big, big differences there. But today we're going to be jumping into identity work. What is identity work? And, you know, I think one of the the main, you know, the main key tools for this class um, that I think is one of the most effective tools, especially layered with everything else we've been learning. But this is like the crux. This is the pinnacle to me. And that is identifying how our hyperfixations and impulse buys tell us very important critical information about our unmet needs and the work that we can do there in exploring and understanding so i'm super excited to jump into you jump into it with you i don't think this class is going to take very long i'm expecting it to be 30 minutes or less um but it's critical information it's powerful information and it's going to be really concise and to the point so let me start off by explaining what identity work is and basically, identity work is the exploration, the discovery, and the uncovering of who we are at our core, the core of our being, our authentic selves. And I think this is really important because having ADHD, you know, whether you have a late diagnosis or an early diagnosis, right, there's always this pinpoint moment of discovery or rediscovery. And then this moment, you know, I think you can look back at your entire life in a completely different lens, in a completely different way, and have all these moments of profound realization of like, oh my gosh, that's why this was hard for me, or that's why this happened, or that's why this person got upset at me, and here's why I didn't deserve it at all. Um, these moments of just uncovering and realization that we look back through our, our entire life and seeing in a new lens. And with that, we often also see that we have you know, if you are somebody that is prone to masking or a fawn nervous system response, that masking has played a huge role in shaping your life to where you are today. Um, you know, I can say for myself, masking is something that I did my entire life without really knowing what I was doing, but I was showing up to be a likable, desirable, polished version of myself that would be more palatable to others. I wasn't honoring my needs. I wasn't being truly who, who I authentically am. I was 
you know, gauging, oh, this is what this person expects from me, or this is how I'm expected to show up here, rather than, (laughs) I don't think I ever at any point asked myself the question, what do I need? What is best for me? And so that, (laughs) that is a huge, huge, just like life altering question of even fathoming thought of like, oh, wait, I get to ask that question. I, I get to ask myself what is best for me and just sifting all of the layers to get to that question can be a huge challenge. Um, so identity work is coming back to finding and knowing ourselves in, in every iteration at every point that we've been. Um, and identity work really is about sorry I just heard my dog (laughs) I just heard my dog trying to like tap on the door to get in so um what was I saying let's see masking identity work finding ourselves finding our authentic selves um yeah it's about honoring our needs for the first accepting and honoring our needs for the first time in our lives um so it helps us identity work helps us to be like this is who I am and this is how I want to show up this is how I care to show up and I get to choose and really owning that and finding empowerment and autonomy in that. Um, and so, you know, truly, truly with identity work here, what we are doing is an uncovering and really getting curious. That is the key point for identity work is getting curious, seeking to know, seeking to ask questions, seeking to understand. Um, and I think this is important because I've had so many clients relate to the experience of, you know, getting a diagnosis or rediscovering, right, their ADHD and having this feeling of like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't even know who I am because I've been showing up for this person in this way or trying to be this because I'm expected to or because of my culture or my family or, you know, whatever else, my job. It could be so many things, but this feeling of like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And so this work that we're doing here is designed to get you to the core of that. and um yes okay cool awesome i'm super 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 excited so i want to touch back on a concept that i've talked about here and there throughout this this course i think especially at the beginning but it's the idea of internal security so internal security what does that even mean well let me explain it to you this way i think Right. There are people, there are celebrities, there are people in this world that make millions and millions and millions of dollars. They have so much money, they don't even know what to do with it. They have to pay people to figure out what to do with it. And none of that, having that money, has no no say on their sense of happiness or fulfillment. We know this. And people who win the lottery, right? Statistically, there there's been research on this. So often people who win the lottery, they lose that money like they spend it or you know taxes of course there's always that but they end up losing all that money in a matter of years and if you ask why it's because if you don't have a sense of internal security especially around money you continue constantly continue to look for something outside of yourself you you feel the sense of like ooh, but if i just had this then i'll be happy right i've said that myself a million times and ooh, if i could just have her own or you know buy this thing then I'll be complete oh you know this new hobby is my life now and this is you know this is who I am now so let me let me pursue I think for me it was like roller skating and it's been 
paddle boarding. It's been so, so many things, crochet, all of these things that I thought to myself, but this is it. This is the real deal. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. And just searching and seeking and buying, buying so many things. Um, and then finding at the end of that road, no, that wasn't really it. And then looking for the next thing, right? It's a constant seeking outside. And so we keep searching and you know, I think instead of looking at the feeling of emptiness, we distract ourselves and dissociate away from it. And so, you know, what I really want to say is who we are is inside of us. It has so much less to do with the stuff that we own. And I think it has everything to do with the actual actions that we take, right? Like you can own a thousand things for a thousand, thousand different hobbies and interests, but if you don't actually use them, right, you don't take the action to do the things then they have no bearing on your identity, right? Owning a camera doesn't make you a photographer, right? Um, so I would say unless you're smog from The Hobbit and you're all about maybe hoarding treasure and living inside of a mountain, I mean, if that's your authentic self, then I fully support you, smog. But um, even so, our value is not something that even bankruptcy can take away from us. Our value is in our experiences. And we are already right here, as we are right now in this moment, filled to the brim with experiences. I mean, it's everything that we have done and everything that we will do. It's our history, our mistakes, our successes, our hopes, our dreams. Um, you know, everything that we've ever wanted, it is inside of us because it is the doing. It is the actual doing of it. It's not the ownership or just the having or the possession. It's the things that we do. And so, you know, I would say whether you have plenty of money or you are paycheck to paycheck, you can choose to hold the belief that your value and your worth is unchangeable and unshakable because it is inside of you. It is absolutely inside of you. It doesn't matter what kind of stuff you have in your life. It's in here. The desire to do things, the interest, your curiosity, your passion, it is all coming from in here. So you are not your stuff. You are not the things that you own. Your desires are who you are. Your wants, your longings, your pulls, this is all who you are. And so security and comfort, it all comes from inside of you. Okay, so... Next, I want to talk about the idea of intentions versus goals. So let's say you're someone and you have a goal of making $150,000 a year. Awesome. Cool. So you work your butt off, you get that promotion, you're applying to other jobs, you know, whatever, but you get there. Amazing. Awesome. So what happens when you get there, right? I think so often is a feeling, well, only 150? I really need 200, at least, maybe 250. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll have the life that I want. Then I'll be able to have the house that I want. Then I'll be able to have the car that I want. Right? And then you get maybe, maybe you get to 250, $200,000 a year. Good for you. And then you start thinking, but I haven't done this yet. And I haven't taken this amazing, incredible trip yet. And if I do that, then I'll be happy, right? It's like, it's infinite, right? And then you think, oh, I need to make this much. It's like literally, okay, now I need to make billions of dollars to be happy. No, absolutely not. No. So goal setting, goal setting is infinite. 
right? And it puts you in a position where I find, especially for neurodivergent brains, for our brain wiring particularly, it puts us in a situation where we're constantly seeking more. Like we hit the goal and then we're like, dang, that's it. Well, I didn't have any like radical change of consciousness or I didn't have any like radical life change or different way of thinking about myself that didn't happen so maybe maybe i just need to push it maybe to the next three rungs maybe there i'll find it i will tell you every goal i have set for myself has ended it's ended the same way it's ended with oh my god okay (laughs) not really feeling it i have to keep going and that is just a very disillusioning this disappointing feeling truly And so it's often left me feeling like I haven't done enough. I could have done more. I should have done more. None of those are very motivating thoughts. And so let me tell you about intentions. Intentions have the power to connect you to fulfillment in a sense of purpose and meaning. And I mean, a sense of purpose and meaning beyond any sort of limited container of a goal, right? A goal is very binary. It's either like you made it, you did, you didn't, right? You got there, you didn't. But an intention has the power to connect you with the creative capacity of your soul. So let me tell you what I'm talking about here. So I'll talk specifically for myself. If I personally, if I personally try to focus on making more money, this is just me personally. If you have a different experience, I fully support you. But just anecdotally, if I try to focus on making more money, or having a money goal that I have in mind, I have two options. I either, number one, shut down and freeze entirely, or I enter a flight nervous system response, and I start obsessing and becoming very hypervigilant about my money, my finances, my bank account numbers, all of these things. Um, And then it just feels like all I don't have, that's all I see. Everything that I don't have everything that I'm not doing. Again, it's not a very empowering place, but when I set an intention, so my big intention with my business is I want to help people. I want to help as many people as I possibly can. That intention is so much more expansive. It has so many more avenues and routes and possibilities, ones that I may not even have thought of yet, but if they present themselves to me in the universe, I will see them be like, yes, this is aligned with my intention yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Let's do it. And so, right, like, how could I possibly conjure the existence of like all these potential incredible experiences if I just confine myself to a preset goal? Um, And, you know, another intention for me is I would like to have a space. So right now I'm like, we're, we're in the process of buying a house. But I could say, oh, my goal is to buy a house or my goal is to save up this much money for a down payment. And I'm choosing not to do that. I'm choosing instead to say, well, what is it that I really want here? It's not necessarily that I have to buy a house or I have to save up X amount of money to get there. It's so much more of I want a space that is mine. That's what I want. I want a space that is my own, my own solace, my own peace, my own environment. I want a space that is my own. And it maybe it's not going to be a house. Maybe it's going to be an Airstream, right? Like who knows? But having that intention rather than a goal, right? Having an intention of not so much of a binary thing, but something that has room to color, to, to, 
to take the crayons or the colored pencils and add vibrance to it, you know, create more beauty than you ever could have expected. All of that is possible with intentions. So, and with my business, of course, like for me, when I, when I embody that intention of helping people, it means that I'm living the life that I've dreamed of that is very congruent with my values and my priorities. And so taking action in that mindset feels so much more possible. Like, yeah, let me do this because I want to help people. And this is really fun for me rather than feeling like I'm operating from scarcity or lack or whatever else. So I hope that's a helpful perspective for you. And I wanted to kind of introduce that as kind of like foundational concept concepts. But now we're going to jump right into it. We are going to jump into identifying our unmet needs. And so, you know, the big question is, how do you know who you are, right? How do you know who you are? How do you know what your needs are? I can speak for myself. Those were very hard questions for a time of my life. Very, very hard questions to, to find an answer to. And like I said earlier, you find out those answers by getting very, very curious, right? Having a playfulness, having curiosity and a, you know, a sense of exploration and, you know, curious investigation of like, who am I? Um, and so, right, the tool, I would say, that has most impacted is literally a question. It is so simple, you guys. It is the simplest question ever. So for every hyperfixation where I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I've spent like 10 hours researching this thing and I really want to buy it and I'm pulling out my credit card or, you know, whatever, if it's an impulse buy at the store, whatever it is, it is one question that you can ask yourself at any point, at any time, super simple. And the question is, what does this hyperfixation or impulse buy, whatever it might be, what does this desire tell me about my unmet needs? That's it. It all comes down to one question. So I believe that our hyperfixations, our impulse buys, our history, right? <laughs> Many of us have a lifetime of history of buying things. And so all of these can be identifiers, these sort of like waypoints or guideposts that can help us understand who we are and what our needs are, right? Those are kind of tied hand in hand. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it can be, it can be something I've done is I've kind of looked back right through the moments in my life where I was like, wow, I was really, I think I told you guys, I was really hyper fixated on pets. I was so hyper fixated on pets when I was younger. So what does that tell me about my unmet needs when I was like eight years old? Well, I really, number one, I wanted something to care for. I wanted something. And I think even beyond that, I wanted something that like you know, an animal that could give, um, what is it called? The unconditional, kind of like unconditional love, like a little cuddly, cozy, cute creature to love, something unique, some kind of, you know, I was very interested in exotic pets. So like something that most people didn't have. I loved animals. I was obsessed with animals. And I think as a kid, I just, I loved researching things. It was always super fun with me. And I, I loved, you know, learning how to like best take care of animals. And especially, I think my biggest passion was like, how do I bond with an animal like how do I create a bond um and so yeah that's what I was really craving when I was a kid and so this is me do going way 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 back uh man I had that hot moment when I was 
hyperfixating on nail polish. What did that tell me about my unmet needs at this time in my life? So this is a question you can ask yourself, not just in this moment, which I think is very helpful, but also if you care to look back and see, okay, what does this tell me about what was happening in my life at this time and my, my needs during this time in my life that maybe were unmet? So all of this can be like guide guideposts, waypoints. I don't know what the right word is, but waypoints for you to understand yourself as you are now and as you have been. Right? All of the versions of yourself that you have grown from and evolved from. So I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, it doesn't matter also. Um, like our hyperfixations are totally who we are. And it doesn't matter if crocheting was a hobby that you did for three months and then never again for the rest of your life. Like it doesn't matter because it's still a part of our lived experiences, right? It's something that we have that's creating this color, this tapestry of threads that is a part of our lives. And, you know, everything that we do allows us to be able to connect with other people. I mean, we, everybody's like, oh yeah, I'm a jack of all trades, but master of none. But I feel like being a jack of all trades means that you have the capacity to connect with people, connect with almost anyone, whether it's a stranger at the grocery store or somebody that you meet on the train or somebody in one of your your classes, your college classes, or somebody at work that's a new coworker, whoever it is, you know, because we have ADHD and we have done and experienced so many things and we have such a wide scope of interests, it means that we are incredible at connecting with people and that we have done so much. So it is a, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful, stunning, gorgeous part of who we are that we have so many experiences that if we care to, if we don't care to, that's all good. But if we do care to, we can use that to connect with other people. And I think that's a beautiful thing that many people don't have. So all of those hobbies that you've tried, that you've done for a while, all of those hours of internet research on a topic, all of the money that you've spent to invest in, you know, learning that craft or learning that hobby, none of it was a waste. Absolutely none of it was a waste. It is not gone. Even if it feels fuzzy, even if only just like the impression feels like it still remains, it is still there with you. Because if you ever did choose to pick it up again, it will be even easier to learn it than the first time that you learn it because there's going to be a sense of familiarity, right? Your neurons have already been exposed. Your brain has already been exposed to this is how I do this thing. Uh, I won't say it's like riding a bike because that's super cliche, but it's kind of like riding a bike. Um, and maybe you're a little wobbly at first of like, ooh, I don't really, you know, if you're crocheting, I don't really remember how to do this stitch, but you look it up on Google, YouTube, you watch it, and then the muscle memory just clicks. It all comes back to you. So none of it was lost. None of it is a waste. And if you ever cared to come back to it, it will come back even faster. And so I think it's beautiful the way that we sip and sample the intricacies of life and experience it all. And I just want to say, if you relate to this, I want to tell you that you are doing it exactly right. All right. So do you remember, do you remember the chapter I wrote a while back in the class that I taught a while back that where I talked about my personal history with impulse spending. It's okay if you don't, but I just want to inform you. I think I've said this before, but that chapter was truly, truly, truly an internal exploration exploration into 
my life's history of hyperfixation purchases. I actually have, I pulled this out for, for writing this, this chapter and preparing for this class. I have a, have a journal from 2020 where my ex-husband very gently and compassionately and supportively sat down with me and asked me to, he kind of had like an intervention over my spending habits because COVID I had polar misdiagnosis. Like my spending was a lot. I was spending a lot of money on stuff that we really didn't need. And so he sat down with me and said, hey, let's talk this out. Let's troubleshoot this. I love you. I'm here to support you. He was amazing. But what I ended up doing, and this was all my choice, I ended up writing down all of the things that I bought that year. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was also, I was making a list of all of the things that I had hyperfixated on truly. And so looking back at that list, it told me so much about what my needs were then. Um, Mainly, you know, so much of it was me desperately looking for an answer to a problem I didn't begin to understand, which was my neurodivergence that I did not, you know, my ADHD that I had no idea about. But truly, I was looking for comfort. I was looking for entertainment. I was looking for a sense of purpose and belonging. I was looking for healing because I was in so much pain. I was in so much pain. Um, I wanted to feel beautiful. I wanted to love my body and love myself. Um, I wanted to be confident in myself. I wanted to be the kind of person that knew who she was, actually. And I also, I think, I think I wanted to be interesting. I think I wanted to be like an interesting, cool person. I think I had a vibe there also. Um, like somebody that did interesting things or had like very out outside the box hobbies. Um, yeah. And so that's who I was then. And looking back, it was just really interesting. It was really, really interesting to to look at that list and see so clearly this this snapshot, this absolute snapshot that I had from that time. Okay, so let me tell you the story. <laughs> if you haven't heard it yet, let me tell you the story of how I came to the realization that our hyperfixations and impulse buys tell us about our unmet needs. So, a while back, I was looking at cameras. I was hyperfixated on cameras, mirrorless SLRs, and I was looking at like a ten thousand dollar camera body. Camera body, Canon R three. If anybody's geeked out like me. Um, I was like trying to justify how to make that work. And of course I like had to walk myself back. I was like, no, no, no. I'll just buy the R6, which is like $6,000. And that doesn't even include camera lenses. These things are freaking expensive, but I would tell myself, oh, I need this for work, right? I need this to film my videos. I need this, um, for my photography. Like if I buy this, then I'll take pictures. If I buy this, then I'll take pictures, right? That was the, the, the dialogue that I had in my head. So I spent like 20 hours on a weekend researching and watching YouTube videos and, you know, doing comparisons. What's the best camera to buy? What's the market like? Um, what's going to be coming out soon? Should I be wait? Like literally extensive research. I could have wrote a 20 page report on <laughs> the mirrorless camera market. Could have done it. Um, and so on that following Monday, woke up and I started driving to Best Buy because I knew that they had these cameras in stock. And I was so like, yes, I'm going to buy it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to I'm gonna figure it out and make it happen. And then I had this like thought pop into my head of like, oh my God, what if they have a restocking fee? Because some places do. 
And of course, Best Buy does. <laughs> and I think it was going to be like 250 bucks out of pocket. So that was like this moment of maybe pause or maybe hesitation because it wouldn't have just meant, oh, I can buy it. And if I don't use it, I'll return it, which is a strategy that I have. Um, it was kind of like, oh, no, I could buy it and return it, but I still am going to lose about $250 if I do that. And so I was just sitting in the parking lot of Best Buy, just literally sitting in my car, trying to think of what to do. And I just remember sitting and feeling this like overwhelming. It just went through my whole body. It was this overwhelming feeling of wanting and like, oh, I want this so badly. I want to have this camera. I want to feel it in my hands. I want to know what it feels like. I want to use it. I want to play with it. And then all of a sudden something popped into my brain. Because I knew I've had a lifetime of history of this exact experience that I was going through. You know, before it's been tech gadgets, it's been iPhones, it's been other cameras, it's been Nintendos, it has been all of the Xboxes, my gosh, all this tech stuff, I love tech, but it has been all of these things and I've continually been in this place where I buy it, I'm so excited about it, I want it so bad, and then I have it, and then the dopamine wears off, and the reality hits, and then I regret it. And I especially regret it if I've missed the return window. (laughs) And so I was just like the stuck feeling of like knowing, knowing that I've had all these experiences where this doesn't work out for me, being in this place of wanting. It was just like two, right? The two polar opposite feelings of the wanting and I don't even think about it and the knowing the consequences after the fact. And in that moment of discord, this question popped into my brain. (laughs) It literally just popped into my brain. What is this experience telling me about my needs? What is it telling me that I really need right now? I think that was the question that stood out the most. What is this telling me that I really need right now? And the answer that came to mind, right? My unconscious had just floated up. And the, you know, I I recognized I don't need a new camera. I have a perfectly usable camera at home that is collecting dust. Yes, it's old. Yes, it's out of date. Yes, you know, the lenses aren't the best, but I have it and I'm not even using it. And so, you know, what I recognized that I needed is I needed, I wanted to be taking more pictures. I wanted to be embracing and embodying my identity as a photographer. I mean, photography is something I've been doing since I was 12 years old. That is what I wanted. That is what I needed. And it felt like in the moment, oh, if I buy this new camera, then I'll take action right? Because I'll have this shiny new toy that'll give me the startup energy, the activation energy to do this thing. And it will for a little while, but it wears off. It 100% wears off. And so by identifying that unmet need, right, I had, I already had tools at my disposal that I could use to meet that need. And so that is what I decided to do. I decided I'm going to drive home and I'm going to use the camera that I have and I'm going to actually use it. And I did. I took some amazing pictures and I had so much fun. And it it just felt like it all melted. That desire, that hyperfixation, that longing, right? You know how hyperfixations can get weird, just locked in. All of a sudden it melted away. It literally melted away as I was walking through the woods and taking pictures of my dog and the fall leaves and the beautiful trees, the foliage. It melted away. And so that is when I recognized oh my God, holy shit, this is really powerful. This is really important. And I need to share this. And so 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think the bottom line was my fulfillment, right? My meeting that need for me had to do with taking action because I could have bought, if I had bought that camera, what would ended up happening is I didn't make any internal shifts. I didn't make any internal changes. It would have just been buying an external thing. And sure, I would take photos for a little while, but it would end up that the camera would be sitting right next to my old Fuji and just collecting dust alongside it. So I needed to make those internal changes first before doing anything else. And so let me share another example with you. I have so many <laughs> since I wrote this chapter, but um, these are the ones that stand out the most to me. So in December, <laughs> in December, I was hyperfixating on two things, fuzzy slippers, like super fuzzy slippers, expensive slippers, not just like um, Target slippers, but like really, really nice slippers and sleeping masks. And so, right, I asked myself the same question, what does this tell me about my unmet needs? And so when I asked myself that question and I looked inward, I think when it came to it, I recognized that I was craving comfort, pampering, a kind of luxury feel, right? A lustrous, a self-nourishment kind of feel. Um, coziness, you know, the feeling of like freshly washed sheets and you can smell the detergent and the fabric softener, um, which kind of told me, you know, I looked a little bit deeper and I kind of think looking at that time, I felt a bit vulnerable and I was wanting comfort. I was wanting to be soothed. I was wanting to be pampered, which makes sense with what I was going through at the time. I was right in the middle of a move, packing up for a move. And so when I look at those two things, right, when I ask myself these questions for the sleep masks and the slippers, the sleep mask hyperfixation, it really made sense to me. And, right, I think I had a true need that needed to be met there. So my <laughs> fun story, um, my blackout curtain fell. I was using like command strips for it to keep it up and it fell and it would not, it would not restick. I tried so hard. It would not restick. And so I had no blackout curtain. The floodlight outside my apartment was super bright, so bright, like basically the sun. Um, and so I was not sleeping. I was absolutely not sleeping. And, you know, I was moving in a month, so it really didn't feel like a good, a good, um, there wasn't really much of a point in going out and buying mounting hardware and a, I'd have to buy a drill to like get this, <laughs> this blackout curtain like permanently installed. And so, right, I needed sleep and to achieve sleep, I needed darkness. And so sleep masks literally met an unmet need. And so I bought them and I was very conscious the whole time, right? Asking myself this question, what does this tell me about my needs? Is this a true need? Yes, it absolutely is. So I bought the sleep mask. I had zero regrets. I bought a couple different ones because I wasn't sure you know, if they'd fit my face, which is a good idea because a lot of them didn't, but my partner used the other ones. It was a total win. Did not regret spending the money. It was money very well spent because I actually slept. Now the slippers though, <laughs> the slippers were a different story. And let me tell you why. I actually had two, two pairs of slippers that I was not wearing, that I hadn't been using, um, that I had gotten last Christmas and I hadn't been using them. And so, right, that one, where right, I had an unmet need for comfort and coziness, but that would have that would not have made sense to buy, right? I'd have these extra slippers and I'd either have to donate them 
you know, it would just feel like a waste. And so from that perspective, I decided, okay, let me actually use, (laughs) wow, let me actually use the slippers that I actually own and wear them. And so that's what I did. I was like, okay, I need comfort. I need pampering. You got it. I wore those slippers every single moment. My feet were touching the ground in my apartment, like every moment (laughs) I would be in those slippers and I wore my fuzzy robe. I got out my softest blankets and I just like piled them on myself and I gave, I met that need. And then all of a sudden, right, the hyperfixation on slippers just vanished. It went away. It receded. It dissipated. All of those things, literally all of those things. That is what happened. And it was just like a, right, I gave myself my nervous system, my brain and my body exactly what it needed. And in that moment, I had it in my house, which was pretty great. And so I, I illustrate these examples to you because what I want for you is to become an investigator in yourself, to become an explorer, to get curious. And, you know, um, let's just jump into the, the exercises for class today because it's relevant. So I, what I really want you to do is I want you to look back on one of your most recent hyperfixations or impulse buys, or maybe you're hyperfixating on something right now. I want you to look at that. And I want you to ask you, why do you want it in the context of like, what is it giving you? What is it providing you? What does your pull towards it tell you about yourself and your needs, right? How can you, how can you identify like what the hyperfixation or impulse buy is telling you about your needs? And then I want to ask you, how can you give yourself that now, right now, whether it's through your actions or whether through it's you, you actually using something that you already own, how can you, how can you give yourself that? How can you fulfill this need now rather than making a purchase? Um, And maybe you'll find, wow, there's really no way around it or Maybe you'll find, actually, I can fulfill this need, but I don't need to buy the most expensive option of this. I can go with this, you know, cheaper value product and it'll still fulfill this need in the exact same way, right? Totally possible. And so try this out. And if you get stuck, if you are really having a hard time thinking like, well, what does this tell you about my unmet needs? I don't know. Please post in the group, send me a DM. Um, join our coaching session on Tuesday nights, pop in, ask the question. We can explore this together. We can get curious. We can investigate. We can brainstorm um, what this tells you about your unmet needs. I think that can be really fun. So please do that. Um, Also, I want to let you know, if you are feeling kind of like stuck or lost when it comes to your needs and even like identifying or understanding your needs, I can highly recommend, um, well, there's a whole book. It's called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, But Cliff Notes, TLDR, um, I posted a link to, what is it, the handbook um, that has, basically his appendix has a list of universal human needs. And so you can look through that and, you know, reflect and ask yourself, what of this list, what needs on this list really resonate with me? I'm like, yeah, that is a core need that I have. Um, so that could be really helpful. That could be a helpful way to kind of understand your own needs. It's a really beautiful book. Highly recommend it. But if you don't have the time, that appendix is super valuable. And um, yeah, if you have questions about the book, come talk to me because I love, <laughs> I love it. Okay, next exercise. All right. 
I really want you guys to live your freaking life. And I want you guys to take yourself out on solo dates where you get to follow your dopamine or go exploring or go on a solo adventure or take a pottery class that you've always wanted to take. Um, That is what I really want for you guys. I want you guys to to have these opportunities. I think Julia Cameron calls them artist dates, um, but it's the same, it's the same principle. It is time for yourself to, to go out on your own and do the thing that you want to do, whatever it might be. You're the thing that you've always wanted to do, or even just going to a park that you've driven by and you're always like, oh, I wonder what this park's like. I've never been, but I hope I go. This is the time to do those things. This is a hundred percent the time. And you know, you don't have to go out and spend money if you don't want to. Um, you know, there are plenty of ways to treat yourself, to go on that adventure, to go to that that place that you've never been before, and you don't have to spend money or you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, six hours of uninterrupted time either. It can be 30 minutes. It can be an hour, 20 minutes. That is okay. 10 minutes, five minutes. Do what feels right for you. Do what feels accessible, but go out. Take yourself out on an artist date. Take yourself out on a solo date to follow your dopamine because I think it is so helpful in this this process of identity work and understanding who we are, right? What are our desires? What are our whims? What are our dreams? This is all part of it. And then I would just say, if you are looking to build an identity work practice, right? If you were in a place where you have been masking for a lifetime and you were like, I have no idea who I am anymore, I would highly, highly, highly recommend a journaling practice. Um, you know, I think journaling, right? Journaling, especially stream of consciousness, consciousness journaling is an incredibly effective way of getting to know who you are. But if that feels overwhelming or if that just feels um, inaccessible, there are so many journaling prompts, journaling books, kind of like get to know yourself. Um, prompts, books, journals. I think I saw one at Target the other day basically questions that you get to ask yourself to get to know yourself better. And another resource I can recommend, um, there's a company called Archley's that has an introspect journaling deck, which is basically um, like it's cards, kind of like, what is it called? We're not really strangers. It's like that game, but it's for yourself. You play with yourself. Um, Maybe that's another game that would be good. I think there is like an introspection deck on there somewhere, but this one that I'm talking about is basically cards with like a journal prompt or a question that you can ask yourself to get to know yourself better, to introspect, to dive deeper, to get curious. And so that's a really lovely resource too. Okay, that is all I have for today. Um, truly, truly what I want to leave you with is most important, right? Biggest key component from this class is literally one question. What is this hyperfixation purchase? What is this impulse by? Tell me about my unmet needs. And if you, you know, get the practice and asking yourself that question and answering that question, it is going to make such a difference for you in being able to actually meet your needs rather than going out and seeking that next thing, that next thing, the external, you know, trying to find that external security that truly we can never obtain because that security has to come from inside. It has to be internal. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you for watching. Um, thank you for being so understanding about my internet chaos. I'm so glad I got to have class tonight. And so Tuesday is going to be the coaching session at 9 p.m. Eastern. Love to have you there. Um, 
And what else was I was going to say, so next class, so not this Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, um, planning to be back on schedule there. So that class is going to be about creating new pathways for dopamine. So it's about breaking up with the dopamine of spending and impulsive spending. So I'm very excited. Going to be talking a lot more, a lot, a lot more about following the dopamine and what that means. Um, and a bunch of other good stuff. So I will see you guys then. And thank you so much.